Real quick to recap, we are in the middle of our vision series. You guys loving it? Whoop. So, first two weeks we did know God. Last week I spoke on finding family. Just to recap those real quick, the most important thing is that we come into relationship with Christ, that you would learn to know who God is. The second thing is that you would find a family, that we would be a people that loved like we're supposed to love, that would look like heaven, right? Laying down our lives for one another. Today I'm going to talk about living kingdom-centered lives. But first, I want to show you guys in not this, not next week, but the week after, we're starting the actual growth track process. This is a brand new funneling system, assimilation process that we are going to be running probably for the rest of Rock Church's existence. It is a very simple way to get people connected, to get them in deeper relationship with Christ, to get them connected to community. Um, and what it is, is it's three classes that are in-depth that talks about who Rock Church is, what you should believe, if you do believe, right? What it means to be a covenant member of Rock Church. We do not want people that are just consumers that come here and sit in the seats and watch us. Oh, that was a really good message and it felt good and then they go home and live their lives. We want people who are active participants in what Rock Church is doing, right? This church does not hinge on me or my dad or any other pastor or leader in this church. It hinges on every single one of us to advance the gospel. You understand that? So when we say members, what we're really saying is we want kingdom leaders to sign up and do this thing together in the Quad Cities. So raise your hand if you want to do that. All right, now I know. Five, one, two, three, four, five, six. So our goal is, we set a goal as a staff, we want 50 covenant members at the end of our three weeks that starts in two weeks. So I'm going to run through the steps and what that looks like because I want you guys to be clear before we get there. So growth track, step one, joining the Rock Church community. Um, this will be the first class, Growth Track Chat. You'll have a packet that'll talk about what it is. You'll receive the membership covenant, and you'll complete the self-survey. Okay, that'll be on March 1st, which is in two weeks. Second step, Growth Track Step 2 packet, growing as a disciple of Jesus. Respond to Jesus as Lord and follow his example in baptism. This one's big for people. Join a kingdom community group. The last one, begin giving regularly at Rock Church. Now, let me say something briefly before we get into these too deeply. Joining Kingdom Community, that doesn't mean, hey, I have an impossible schedule, I work second shift, I can never make any Kingdom Communities, then you're rejected. No, it means we want you a part of some type of community. We have both Men of Valor at 6 a.m. every week. We have it at 5 p.m. once a week. We have four Kingdom Community options. Right? We have plenty of ways for you to, to get tied to family. Now remember, this is not for everybody. Some of you won't be interested, and that's fine, but we do want you to be part of a community at somewhere. We want you to buy into a church somewhere. It doesn't have to be ours. It can be anywhere. Um, and then obviously, whoa, whoa, where does step two go? <laughs> Come on, man. The last one, begin giving regularly to Rock Church. I know people are funny about money, but how in the world will the church ever be influential like the rest of culture is without money. If you guys have the answer to that, I'd love to talk to you after service. But we need people to join together to give. We want to be, have an amazing building one day where we can do ministries out of. And we can be proud and we can have youth events and kids ministries and things. We're dying for that. But we cannot do that without you guys. So giving is so important. Step three, discovering your purpose. This is the really cool week. This is where we will literally fill out surveys and test to see where you're gifted and what ministries. Because to be a covenant member of Rock Church means you will be serving at Rock Church. 
right? And that'll be hard for you. If you're the person that just likes to wake up, roll out of bed, come to church, I did my due diligence, I threw my 20 bucks in, you may have a hard time with this one, right? But we want our people to serve, right? Church is a place where you come to worship. Now, unfortunately in America, we think worship is this, sing fancy worship song, like, that's worship. Sometimes worship is working, is laying my life down for God, right? So we want you to be serving at Rock Church. You'll complete this profile, which is uh, basically a spiritual gifts test, turn in membership covenant, and take the steps to join the Rock Church community, fill out and turn in the ministry team card. Is that the last one? Yes, and now step four, this is the big one. So if you've gone through those steps, you filled everything out, you want to be a covenant member of Rock Church, we are going to baptize that fourth week, anyone that hasn't been baptized. We are going to recognize our new members in front of the congregation. It might be funny. If a lot of y'all do it, it might be like half the church comes up here and then awkwardly looks at the rest of the half. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> no, we're going to have a food and fellowship after service that day. Um, and we're going to talk about how to make up the missed sessions, which will be an option, obviously. And then the new next growth track course will begin March 29th, and then we're off and rolling. Cool? I know that's kind of complicated. There's a lot going on, but that is what it looks like. Whew, that was a lot. Now, into my sermon. So this week, living kingdom-centered lives. So the first thing I want to talk about is I want to establish what is the kingdom. We hear this language a lot in Christian community. I've heard it growing up. And here's what it is. I'm going to break this down for you. The kingdom is the, is the Greek word, basilia. I don't know how to say it right. Don't make fun of me if you know. And it means this, activity like rule, reign, or kingship. Now, typically when we, heard the, when we hear the word kingdom, we think of a place, right? But biblically speaking, king, when, whenever you hear the word kingdom, it's actually God's will being acted out. It's a reign, a rule, right? Let me give you some examples. Mark 1, 14 and 15, Jesus begins his ministry. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. See, living a kingdom-centered life is another way of saying living a gospel-centered life. See, the gospel message is the availability of the kingdom of God now. Another way to say it is this. Dallas Willard says it like this. It's learning how to live in heaven now. You guys hear that? Now that sounds really fancy. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to jump there. Romans 14, 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God, what we're really after, to live a kingdom-centered life is to be a people who are all about righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Now this definition, which I'm going to refer back to, is by Dallas Willard, and I think it is probably the best definition I've seen of all the ones I looked up this week. And if you don't already know, I'm a big fan of him. So, the range of God's effective will, where what God wants done is done. It is an everlasting metaphysical reality, the natural home of the soul, God in his reign from everlasting to everlasting. Very simply put, it is when God's will is done. God's perfect, effective will is done. 
right? When a woman is raped, is God's will done? Is the king, was that the kingdom acted out? No. When a person is healed of an illness, is that God's will? You see, we see God's kingdom coming to action. When I forgive somebody who I've had bitterness against for years, that is God's kingdom on earth. That is living in heaven. Right? When I turn, just like we just read in Mark, when he says, repent and believe, the kingdom is at hand. When I realize in my own sinfulness in my life, and I, make, in my, and I repent and admit it to God, I say, God, you know what? I've seen this in my life. It's wrong. I want to change it. And I take another step to become more like him. That is being kingdom-centered. That is living in the will of God. That is God's will acting. See that? Now, Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I skipped the whole part before that was basically saying this, don't be anxious about anything. Right? Not what you're going to eat, not what you're going to wear. Anything circumstantial in life should not be what your mind is preoccupied with. What your mind should be preoccupied with is the kingdom of God. Or what your, another way to say it is what your mind should be preoccupied with is what is the will of God. In every step of my life, in every circumstance, what is God after here? So here's the problem. The first thing we have to establish is this. What does it look like to not live a kingdom-centered life? This is what we're all really, really good at. So let's just pretend I'm going to lay out a couple scenarios in my own life. So I'm running a business. I'm doing really good. And it's going well. Like I have peace in my family. Like I'm making good money. But now I want more. I decided I want to open another business. Now, living a kingdom-centered life, the first question I would ask myself is why? What am I really after? Am I after more power and more money? Or am I after expressing the will of God in my life? Right? Unfortunately, I've been through many scenarios like this where I, I, I wasn't seeking the kingdom first. What I was seeking was my kingdom first. Right? And it's funny how God, the Holy Spirit, always gave me peace whenever I was making these situations. I had peace from the Holy Spirit to buy a brand new Jeep with big wheels and this and all these things, right? But unfortunately, do you think those things brought me peace and satisfaction? No, I opened those businesses. I was stressed to the guilt. I got dead up to my eyeballs. It's funny, when you think you're going to make X amount of money and everything's going to be okay, you somehow learn to spend all that money. Right? That's living for my kingdom. That's not living kingdom-centered first. It can be as simple as this. It can be being out with friends. Right? What's the expressed will of God when you're hanging out with your friends when they start to gossip? Right? Do you sit there? Does it check you? Do you get that check in your gut, right? Like, is this what God wants? Is this God's will? I know it sounds simple, but I want, I'm trying to show you that, like, being conscious of being kingdom-centered in everything that you do, being all about the will of God, is a moment-to-moment, day-to-day thing that we have to be aware of. Now, here's what I see in the church. And I don't want to be too hard here. But it's very, very popular right now for, to be, for the church to be all about the benefits of God and not about the expressed will of God. 
Did you hear what I said there? What we want to do is we want to live in our kingdom. And here's, what, here's a perfect American kingdom right here. Here's what it looks like. I'm really, really healthy. I have a whole lot of money. I take a ton of vacations. Everyone in my family is wealthy. Like, we think that is the ultimate dream. And if I'm chasing that, then it is God's desired will. The problem is, is sometimes God's wanting you to do something different. I've said it before. How many times have I heard anyone in this room saying, you know what, God's telling me to sell everything that I have and give it to the poor. You do know that's a word-for-word scripture in the Bible. And yet, I don't know a single person that's ever done it. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying We do very, very good as Christians in America living for our own kingdoms. The other thing I say is this, or I see is this. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 24 says, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. I'm going to say that again. Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Guys, the gospel message in the kingdom is all about the cross. To live a kingdom-centered life is to live a life that is all about the cross. But I can't just say that. I've got to go a little bit deeper so you get it. What does it actually, what does Christ crucified actually means? The sin, what did sin do in the world? Sickness, disease, turmoil, pain, broken relationships— All the pain and hurt that we see in the world was a result of sin. Guess what the cross did? It dealt with sin. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for every single one of us. To live a kingdom-centered life is to focus on that message. Every time we get together, what I want is I want people laying their sin down and taking a step towards Jesus. We get together again. They lay something else down. They take a step towards Jesus, step towards Jesus, and we all get closer and closer and closer to who we're called to become. That is a kingdom-centered life. But here's what I see in the church so much, and here's what I saw growing up. I show up. I have all these amazing worship songs, and please hear me. I'm not saying this is all bad at all. They are after experience. I want to feel something emotionally. I want to cry, and I want someone to come speak a word over my life. Meanwhile, they leave there. They go home, and they're still stuck in the sin they've been in forever. I would rather you show up to the driest worship service you've ever been in. Go to Catholic Mass. No offense. Go to a Catholic Mass, sit there. If you repent of one sin, you became closer to Jesus Christ and it was more cross-centered. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, what Rock Church is trying to be about is can we do both? Can we stay centered on the gospel message and on the cross, but still express ourselves in worship? Unfortunately, it's not done well because what we do is we get an experience and then we grasp onto it and all we want is more experiences. I want to cry and I want to hold, like, that's all fine. But are we centered on the main thing being the cross? So what does the kingdom of God look like? What does God's reign and action look like biblically? Luke 11, 20 says this, but by the finger of God that I cast out demons... Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, where you see people being delivered from oppression is where you see the kingdom of God in action. Now, the thing that I personally see oppressing people more than anything else is their own sin, their own selfishness, their own hurt, 
right? Not everybody. Of course there are people that are enslaved and things terrible that happen to people. But I see so much oppression from people just being in bondage to their own selfish desires, to their own bitterness, to their own unforgiveness. I want to see people set free from those things. The second one, Luke 9, 2, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Where you see healing and the restoration of what sin and death have disfigured, there you will see God's kingship displayed. See, sin affected everything about humanity, our mind, our will, our emotions, our physical bodies. There's an interesting tie in the, in the New Testament to physical healing and sin. Guys, sin has affected everything. And there's only one thing that there's a cure to sin. It isn't you trying harder not to sin. It is you recognizing that you sin and relying upon the cross to stay kingdom-centered, right? To stay gospel-centered. You know, I, there's a beautiful story we have in our own kingdom community. One of ours, I don't even know if she's here. Rhiannon, are you here now? No, she's not here. Anyway. Oh, you are there. Can we stand up and wave to everybody? Let's make this personal. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so she came for, I don't know, man, it was probably a year or so. And we would have these talks, and she would talk about how bitter she was at one of her family members. I mean, had so much unforgiveness, she would weep, right? And we thought, I mean, we prayed and we believed. But we thought, man, there's going to be no way they ever reunite. And it happens, I'll just tell you, it's, it's her mother. It was her own mom. And we prayed and we fought. And what you saw was you saw a transformation in Rhiannon. You started to start to soften, soften, soften. And now to this day, I mean, they have an absolute beautiful relationship and they hang out all the time. Now, guys, that is a miracle, right? That is being kingdom-centered, right? We could have, you know what we could have said to Rhiannon? Yeah, your mom's a piece of crap. Forget that woman. No, what we told her to do is, hey, you love her despite, she doesn't deserve it. She doesn't merit it. Love her like Jesus loves you. You don't deserve it. Those are the kind of things we want to see in our kingdom communities. Those are the kind of things we want to focus on being kingdom-centered because then we get to see his reign and his kingdom displayed. And it is an absolutely beautiful thing. Now, what does this mean for you personally? Here's where I'll go. Let's go to Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. Sorry, I skipped a couple of keys. I'll go back. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We often think that salvation means that I raise my hand one time, accept Jesus into my heart, and I'm saved. But unfortunately, it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As we work out this thing, as we work out our salvation, as we see areas in our life that need healing, that need restoration, that need redemption, he starts to work more through you. He starts to do more good through you. It's not because I'm trying to do good. It's that I'm focusing on the main thing being, God, make me more like you. God, where can you change me? What area of my life am I still blind to? 
right? And then I begin to love people more. The second one's Romans, one of my favorite verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, here's the part I love that goes right with this message. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. To be transformed and be more like Christ is to know how to react to every situation with God perfectly. Right? When I meet a person on the street that's in need, you know, Jesus did some funny things. He would pick up mud and wipe it in people's eyes. Can you imagine being so close to the Father, so transformed that you understood the will of God? You knew what he was after in every circumstance, and you just walked around expressing the kingdom, expressing heaven. There's something deeper there. I believe when we get to heaven, we'll understand what exactly he was doing. But God's ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. We have so much junk in our lives that blinds us to who he wants us to be. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. See, the kingdom's funny because we kind of live in a it is and it is not yet time, right? What we're praying for is more of heaven to be revealed to everyone around us. When we see pain and hurt and sickness everywhere, God, will you please break through and show us more of heaven? Will you please break through and heal people? Will you please break through when it gets painful? We need each and every one of you expressing as much kingdom as we can so we can live in as much heaven as we can. And then at the end of it all, boom, we're there. Is that what you guys want? Stop looking at me like dead people then. So what I want to do, I want to do something kind of funny. So for those that know me at all, you know I'm a Justin Bieber fan. And I don't know, there's something about, I'm also a Kanye fan. Anyone a Kanye fan? No? Everybody, it's funny, is Christians. When someone comes out, let's like a big, big celebrity and they're Christian, the first thing us Christians like to do is show them where they're not doing it right. right? Like that's what we're really good at. Like they don't believe this, they don't do this on Sundays, and it's like, okay, we know. Jesus, you got it. But I personally love that two of the biggest figures, two of the biggest celebrities out right now are both unapologetically expressing their love for Christ. I think that's amazing. And it draws me to them. It draws me to their story. I don't know if any of you guys have watched his interviews lately, but I mean, he was, it's funny. We see people that are really wealthy, really rich, that have it all. But what you see is how broken they actually get. And that's just another glimpse of heaven, guys. It shows us that it's not about this kingdom. The thing that satisfies our soul is nothing that this earth will give you. Justin Bieber was the most Googled person on the internet for 10 years, right? He's worth $300 million. He has everything you could ever imagine that you want, right? Yet he was strung out on drugs, completely beside himself, completely unhappy and unsatisfied. But he had this inkling, and you've kind of watched it through his career because he brings it up occasionally. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Until guess what happened? God broke him and said, I want you so bad, will you please stop? And he broke him down, and he came back running. So I personally, and then he, put, he puts out this music video. Has anyone heard the song Intentions? Yeah. So he puts out this music video, 
And it's cool because you know when you know a story, you know his background. It's this video that, for me, perfectly expresses God's kingship, the kingdom of God in action. Right? Here you have a guy who could just be having a music video like everyone else where he's dancing, he's in the camera in his face, and like, it's all about him, right? Instead, what he chooses to do is do something that united races, people of different money, different economical status. Right? There's this, in the video, he's at this place called the Alexa House. Um, Alexandria House, I'm sorry. And I'm going to read you something. So I got, I got interested because it's his house, and it's all of these women and little kids. And I was like, what is this place? And I was like, man, this expresses the will of God. I love the art behind it. I love the message that it's showing. But what I got curious was, I was like, who started this thing? Because this had to be somebody that was a Christian. It just, I'm biased, I get it. But sure enough, it was this lady, and her name was Sister Judy Vaughn. She grew up in a Catholic family. And what was cool about it is the Catholic Church tried to really restrain her in what she wanted to do for God. For those that know, they are very legalistic in some ways. They have a lot of, like, restraints, especially on females. But she had a burning desire. She would weep and cry, and she had a burning desire to do something more than just be a nurse or a school teacher. She wanted to do something great for the community. And after years of struggling through this, she went out one night, and this is what it said. It had been five years since she'd entered the convent. She was emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually drained by all that life required. She'd climbed outside to cry, to get some space, to think about what I was going to do. As she looked out from the Bel Air Hills towards the vastness of the Pacific Ocean, she suddenly understood that God's love could neither be constrained by church rules nor threatened by her own inadequacies, inadequacies or discordant views. I realized that I would never disconnect no matter what I choose, she said. That freed her to challenge convention, taught her to trust God, and led her to rely on the wisdom, love, and support of her other Catholic sisterhood. That support helped sustain what Sister Judy now considers her most important project, the transitional shelter she founded 18 years ago for homeless women and children, the Alexandria House. So there you have somebody, right, committed to the will of God, right, committed to doing something, for allowing God to work her through her, not going to let any man put boundaries on her, right, but just want to express who he is. And I thought I started thinking about the background while watching. I want you to think about that when you watch this video. Because now you have probably the most famous male artist out right now that chose to shoot a music video in one of her little houses. And you have all of these women from different races and backgrounds coming together that are, that are hurting, that don't have money, that have nowhere to go and no one to help them. And this lady has decided to take them in. And then it's pretty cool because then you have Justin, you know, donate a bunch of money and you'll see some stuff in the video. But I just wanted to give you like an artistic picture of what the kingdom of God expressed look like, looks like in our day. You guys cool with that? We're going to actually watch a Justin Bieber video in church. Am I the only one that gets choked up at like the car part? No, but anyway, it's just a beautiful example, like especially the Judy lady at the end, right? Some little Catholic girl that pours her heart out. And what's fascinating is God usually works the greatest things through the broken people who have actually experienced injustice before. She's a woman constrained, right? wasn't liberated and fought against it and does this beautiful thing for so many women now. Sometimes God's got to break us, right? Because we get too comfortable in our own luxury, and our own comfort. Let's pray together real quick. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we just pray that we would live kingdom-centered lives, that you would help us to live kingdom-centered lives, God. 
that we'd be focused on the main thing, God. I just pray for the history of this church, Father, that no matter what happens, we keep the main thing the main thing. Father, and that main thing is that perfect act of love that you displayed on the cross where you laid your life down for our sins, Father, that we may become more like you, that we walk and we fight against injustice. When we see people hurting or we see the poor, that we would be people that move because we love like you love us. Father, this is what we're after. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast and this week's message. Again, if you'd like to find out more about our church and attending a live service, you can find us online at www.rockchurchqc.com as well as on Facebook at Rock Church of the Quad Cities and on YouTube. Just search Rock Church QC and you'll be able to access our past sermons. As, and when you subscribe, you'll be notified when we go live for our weekly services. Until next time, have a great day and God bless.